It's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 10. This time around, we have decided to forego any film chat as what happened during this interview hit us all particularly hard. And as such, we wanted it to remain intact as how it transpired and take you along with us on the journey of the conversation and where it went. It's at times funny, inspirational. It gets absolutely terrifying and very emotional. It's a subject that is highly controversial. Evidence of them go back as early as 600 BC. In the Catholic religion, the Vatican first issued official guidelines on them in 1614. They weren't revised until 1999. This episode, Exorcist, R.H. Stavis. Listener discretion is advised. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Joining us in the Speakeasy studio with the Boo Crew, she is a creator of all things amazing for TV and film, writing a screenplay for Sony when she was only 18. She went on to create the backstory for one of the most iconic video game characters in history, Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. She's since been a part of many horror novels, graphic novels, video games, even a collaboration with Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Rachel's story goes even deeper than that. She is also known as the world's only non-denominational exorcist having performed literally thousands of them from a cottage on her property, removing entities from everyone including Hollywood celebrities, rock stars, politicians, children, and soccer moms. She's written a new book about her experience, Sister of Darkness, The Chronicles of a Modern Exorcist, available everywhere from HarperCollins. We are so pleased to welcome R.H. Davis to the show. That's it. This is the best intro I've ever had. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you again for coming. How did this ability present itself to you? For me, you know, as a kid, like normal, like I say normal, as I think normal kids do. <laughs> I was always complaining about like monsters under the bed, monsters in the closet. You know, parents come in, they're like, it's fine. Nothing's in here. But for me, it never went away. I learned to try and block it out because you know, when you're a kid, you don't realize that other people don't have the same things you do. Why would you? So I just started talking about it. And then I learned very quickly, you don't talk about that because <laughs> now you're crazy. I learned to kind of manage it and put it away. And then as I got older, things happened. I couldn't put it away as well as I did before. And I couldn't be as normal as I tried to be. And so at that point, it was like either, okay, I check myself in. Or I learned what to do with this, and I chose to learn what to do with it. So when these things presented themselves to you, what did you see? What did they look like? In the beginning, so there there are many different types of entities. Let's just start there. Not all, you know, it's not like the movies where you see this one thing and it's a demon and it's this kind of demon. It's a devil. It's always like the devil. Right. Right. right? And you just say the name and it poof goes away. <laughs> that's not that's not um, how it actually works. So there are many different types of entities, some that I actually call demons because they are malevolent and some that are more like leeches, you know, that I you wouldn't call a leech a demon. You know what I mean? Um, so when I was a kid, it started off slow. I think uh, spirit, as I call it, was trying to like ease me in <laughs> and just started off kind of like, oh, there's some smoky things like when I was two and three. And then it would start to take shape like four and five. 
and then I would see there were many different kinds of shapes, you know, by six and seven, let's say. But they always looked like monsters. Like they, the easiest way to describe it without getting into the details, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into the details, but just overall, if you remember scary stories to tell in the dark, the original drawings, a lot of them actually look like that. So remember the scary things you saw? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I started seeing Whoa. when I was a child. Wow. So yeah. And, and pretty soon through a project I'm doing, which I can't talk too much about it, you'll actually see it. You will actually see what I see. Oh, that's incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, would it be fair to say that the typical kid who has an imaginary friend has the ability to see these things? Or is that what that is? Or is that completely something different? <laughs> okay, or? that's a whole thing. So if you're talking about imaginary friends now, you're talking about one of two things. You're either talking about a deceased person, which is not an entity. That is a deceased person. Well, I was going to ask about that, too. Yeah. I mean... Totally not the same. And deceased people, here's a here's a myth on that, too. A lot of people think deceased people can possess you. That's not actually true. Okay. Deceased people can annoy you, <laughs> which they do. They do. They possess de- your time. That's right. They do. They, they definitely do that. And they're very chatty. I always say deceased people are very chatty because <laughs> they like to be heard and they like to be seen, whereas entity does not. Entity works under the surface. It's best you don't know it's there. Very few of them are cocky enough to show themselves and when they do it's they're you're talking about higher up the food chain where they can and it doesn't affect anything but most of them work under the radar that's how they work that's how they feed so with deceased people you know again they they can annoy you and be in your business and even be you know as rude or obnoxious as they might have been in life it's <laughs> not to say there's, there's no like annoying or bad deceased people. Of right. course they are, but they don't possess you. That's not how attachment actually works. Okay. So can you, I mean, can you see deceased people as yes. well? Can you see that energy? Yes. Especially when it has to do with exorcism. And so let me explain that. Sure. So deceased, I'm not a medium. I don't claim to be a medium at all. I'm not a psychic. I don't claim any of these things. I have one specialized thing. Right. <laughs> all right. But... There are times where that changes and the times where that changes is usually when. So so let's backtrack a minute. Let me talk about how attachment happens yeah, because it's okay. not random and it doesn't just happen to girls on a farm in Iowa. Right. Like every <laughs> single possession movie out there. And even that is totally wrong. So we can talk about that, too, because they always get that wrong. Like I'm the person who's always like throwing the popcorn at every exorcism movie. And going, what? No. Why do people believe this? This is ridiculous. So how attachment actually works is everything is energy right everything is made of energy we're energy we carry energy you know that's just life that's how it is and we walk around with what i call a baseline frequency and so that's you know the basic gist of our energy where we are in life where we go around what we what we say to ourselves what we put out there how we treat others whatever just our daily business is our baseline frequency And there are very few times in life where that takes a major hit. Now, you can have a good day and a bad day, and that will change it. But a major hit is you're working on yourself real good, like hardcore, right? But that's gradual even, right? Or, you know, what we normally go through is you have a trauma. And it's a major trauma, whatever that is. And that's different for everyone. So we never judge trauma. It's just that's what it is. So when you have a trauma that lowers your frequency and you start then having low frequency, And when you have low frequency, that's actually how attachment attaches. So we have, I call it a diamond chart, right? In my book, that's what it looks like. It's this diamond and we're humans. We're in the middle and everything underneath us is everything that is negative and can attach. 
But as above, so below, there's also all the things above us that give to us. So there's give and there's take. And when we walk around in low frequency, unfortunately, that's when attachment sees you. They're looking for a very specific energy signature. So again, another thing that's wrong with with exorcism movies is that you can't have people around because it's just going to move from person to person. It cannot work that way unless everyone in that space was exactly the same. That's how it would find you because every entity wants something different, just like every person wants something different. It's just not the same. So that's actually how um, they attach. When we talk about entities, like I said, they're not all malevolent and not all demons, in my opinion. That's why I call them entities, because, again, the lower level ones, which are the ones most people carry that they don't even know they actually have, are what I call Clives, which I, I call them that because they look like Clive Barker, Clive Barker. drawings to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to make up names for everything because yeah. I had to know what I was doing. There was no handbook for me. Now there's one, but there wasn't for me. So I, I had to create it because I was seeing people with the same things over and over again. And those are like what I call like amplifiers. You know, if you're sad, you're depressed. If you're depressed, you're suicidal. You know, if you have anger, you have rage. A lot, 85% at least of the population at this time carries that a minimum 85% and don't even know. And that the things can be attached to for years and years and years. So when we're talking about imaginary friends, right, when we're going back to that, mm. that could be deceased people. Again, not entity, right? That's always possible because we come in as children very pure. We're very connected to source when we come in. That's why kids can see deceased people. They will tell you, I talked to grandma, but you know grandma's not around. And also they can say like, I know how I died in my past life. And you're like, what? Okay. We get that cynically booted out of us as we become adults. You know, that's just, we live in a fear-based culture and we start telling kids that's scary and don't do it. Mm -hmm. Just like, don't cross the road. Don't talk to strangers. Don't eat that candy. Don't do anything. (laughs) Basically, don't live your life in any way. (laughs) And it takes a major toll on us as we become adults because now we're like in this place where we don't feel deserving of things. We have all these self-esteem issues, all of these things. We treat other people like crap because we feel like crap, like whatever. The other entity that that can be actually when you're a child is what I call a trickster. And a trickster will present its one of the only entities that will present itself to you, but it will present itself to you as you wish to see it. For children, oftentimes when children have trauma, unfortunately, and it depends on the trauma, depends on the trauma. There are, again, different types of entities for different things, but children will attract tricksters that will stay with them their whole lives. And that could be, I mean, I've had adult clients who will come in and tell me they have genies attached to them still. They have Archangel Michael attached to them. They have deceased people who have followed them around their whole lives. And I'm like, no, that's not what that is. It's just what you're seeing. And tricksters are interesting because they form symbiosis with the host. That's how they survive. So it's that's, like I said, they're the only, one of the only ones that will show themselves. And when they have that attachment, they want the person to feel lulled into safety, that they're being protected, that they're loved, that they're given something. And you would not believe how many people go through life thinking that's exactly what's going on, even though they now have addiction and they now have no job and they have never had a relationship and they've never actually achieved the things that they want. But they've had this the whole time telling them you're doing great. Who or what 
are these entities and where do they come from? Are they ancient demons? Are they, have you cross-referenced and figured out, oh, this is the ancient demon this? Or who are they if they're not all deceased people? You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you, that's a, an answer that makes all religious people hate me and send me death threats. <laughs> um, because they want me to match it up with Catholicism, right? right. But right. you have to understand that. And I try to explain this to people, but I think people are really dead set in their belief systems, which is good. That's, that's what we're all about. We get to believe whatever we want so uh, I don't try to convince people of jack shit I'm like <laughs> believe it or don't I right. don't give a shit like it's fine <laughs> whatever if you actually do the work and you look through historically you will see that entities or demons or whatever you want to call it they actually go back far before Christ yes you know, anyone who is in any kind of historian will tell you that's true, you know, however you want to look at that. Even ancient aliens, Lord knows, you know, you, you go back to like crazy shit and you'll find that there has been talk and of demons for a much longer time. I never try to match it up with Catholicism. I don't open the Bible or a book of d- demonic anything and go, which one is this? Right, like, right. let's cross reference this. Like Buffy. Right. <laughs> Although, if it's Buffy, I might. I might open a book for Buffy. Uh, always open a book for Buffy. <laughs> Yesterday, I posted a picture on my Instagram at uh, Magic Castle, and I wrote, must be Tuesday, and nobody got my reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't try to do that. I actually try to stay away from it. And it's weird because that seems counterproductive. I can understand why people are like, what? Why would you do that? It's the same reason why I didn't study anybody's version of exorcism while I became an exorcist. And it's also the same reason why, funny enough, I will not read a single book while I write. Because I don't want to be influenced by anything. I want to know that what I'm doing is what I'm seeing, what's accurate for me, so that when I can actually share this with someone... I'm not pulling from a resource. I'm telling you, this is how I see it. This is actually how it is. I don't want anything to get in the way of that. I don't want to be following someone else's methods. I want to be following spirits methods. I want to be following what I know to be correct for me and what my clients are looking for when they come to me. You know, so it's authentic. I was actually wanted to ask about my next question is going to lead to that. The Catholic Church take exorcisms very seriously. Of course, as I'm yeah. sure you know. As now. They should. <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> it's funny because they're saying all Catholic priests can theoretically perform them, but very few American priests are trained to do it. Right. Uh, in Catholicism, exorcisms are recognized under Catholic law and can only be performed with a very high level of permission. The Vatican has licensed 200 members on six continents to perform exorcisms the way they do it. And USA Today recently reported that the Vatican is actually holding a conference next month to address a three-time increase in possessions out in Italy. There's like 500,000 cases apparently a year. Yeah. And the methods of exorcism are being trained less and less, and there's less priests who are interested in in doing this. I'm interested in why you think there would be such a dramatic increase. I've seen stories like this printed a couple times over the past year. Yeah. And also, you know, it's a loaded question, how you developed the way you do an exorcism. From what I see, you know, obviously anyone with eyeballs at all can see that the situation on this planet is a mess. And there's so many negative things going on uh, in political worlds and the cruelty of, of people towards humanity, people towards animals, people toward the earth itself. We're coming to a head. I mean, you can feel it. You don't have to be a sensitive empath to feel that. Like, we're coming to a head. When that happens, 
you know, we're talking about balances, right? You know, not to not to be that guy, but the cliche of the war of good and evil is absolutely real and absolutely does go on. You can ask any Catholic priest that. When we have all of this going on, that negativity permeates and you get more. The entities get in. I mean, there are more of them coming out, right? Making a splash, making a scene, being bolder, right? Because again, we're talking about entities that like to feed under the radar. But when we're actually talking about those types of entities, the rare kind, the kind that I call realm walkers or movie style entities, those are the ones that, that when we're talking about exorcisms and the right, we're, we're talking, when they say that it's very rare, this is what they're talking about, that particular type of entity. They're getting cockier and they're getting bolder. And they're coming out and saying, well, the planet's fucked. Right. And everybody's susceptible. Everybody's walking around with their heads well, pointed down it. in the low state right. of energy. And, exactly. Yeah. Because if you look at it from that, if you can put those two ideas together, right, that exorcism is real, even according to the church, right? And demons are real, even according to the church. And you're talking to me about why that happens and how it happens, you can see that connection. You really can. So it's so funny because I get a lot of interviews, and I mean, again, many a death threats, a million death threats, <laughs> from all ends, from scientists <laughs> and from super religious people. Right. So I'm just screwed. And I'm also a woman, and I have boobs, and people like to point that out a lot. <laughs> you know, always. They're like, you can't do this. You're a lady. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for letting me know. I really got out of hand there for a second. People always send me these ideas like they I don't know what they think but they're like you need to find Jesus like even if you look at my book reviews you'll see like you need to find Jesus who's right you'll see yeah every third comment right right. away yeah and I'm like how do you know I'm not working with Jesus you don't know that you have no idea what I think of the Catholic Church you have no idea how much respect I have for those those people who go in I have a lot of respect for the right I understand that what I do is dangerous what they do is dangerous that's it that's the end of it we're all trying to do the same thing in the end which is help people and save people you may not agree with my methods you may think it's bullshit you may think what they do is bullshit Mm. who knows but that's not up to you that's an opinion Obviously, this has been going on a long time, right? And there are people needed to do it. And that's it. You know, case closed. You know, the funny thing is, I feel like there's what you're doing, hearing you describe it, is more science than not. Right. Because it is the way it is, period. And has been proven through tales and folklore. Whatever has been happening to us as the human experience throughout linear time, which is what this dimension is and the purpose of this dimension, to experience linear time... Throughout linear time, we have had these, this energy has been there. It's documented everywhere for as long as history has been documented. And all religion has been, no matter what religion it is, is trying to process what these things are. What is this thing that we're feeling? What is this thing that's going around? Absolutely. So in the same way that gravity is gravity, no matter how, you know, Isaac Newton didn't invent it. He's just right. told you how to, how to look at it. Exactly. Then you're just looking at these things the same way the Catholic Church is looking at them. They just have a very limited vocabulary because they're wrapping it up in this, you know, two centuries old folk story. Right. That has limited dialogue, limited language in it. Right. And it, what's funny to me is that that is more believable even to scientists than what I do. Right. So when I get uh, when I do an interview with the scientist or someone who's very science oriented, which I just did like 2 weeks ago, everything was based on that. 
And I tried to explain, you know, again, talking about gravity, I always say, like, you don't see gravity, but you see the effects of gravity. Right. You don't see entity, but you see the effects of it. Sure. That's what's going on all the time. And I try to explain to people who are on that side of the spectrum where they're like, science, everything, everything else is BS. I'm like, look, I feel like what I do or what I'm trying to bridge the gap of is somewhere where mythology meets science. I'm telling you these things that you thought were mythological are indeed real. But I'm also giving you the reason why. And I'm also giving you the reason why they attach. You know, the church has always believed, well, I can't speak for the church, so I'm not even going to bother. But what we see as what the church has always believed is entity or demons attach because people are certain amounts of religious or, you know, there's like, or random, it's super random, it just happened. I'm trying to tell you, no, actually, you have control over what attaches to you. It's not a victimization. Like, you get to decide if you're going to carry attachment or you're not. And then you're going to decide how you want to live your life like that. And I I tell you, a lot of people still choose to this day to keep that attachment. It's just, it's unfortunate, (laughs) but that's, they don't want to change, you know, they don't want to change how they do things. But I do believe that, yes, what I do is somewhere, I'm like the missing link of that, where I'm trying to explain to you, look, everything's a pseudoscience until it's proven. That's it. The world was flat. Okay. Well, lots of scientists believe that. There is a, the there's a flat earth movement happening right now. Exactly. Right? And that's why I say, God bless. Like, believe what you want. Everyone's gonna. Like, you can present facts to people over and over and over again. And they will still believe what they want. That is the beauty of being human. You get to decide. So when I have podcasts like that or interviews like that, where they're like, we want you to prove this to me. I'm like, why? What's the point? I could. Maybe I could. Maybe there's a way. Maybe there's some kind of measurement that will prove it for you. Maybe that hasn't been invented yet. Maybe there is a scientific experiment that will do it. And in in this particular one, he was like, well, would you participate in a study where 800 people came to exorcists and you were the only one who actually could do it, but the rest of them were placebos? Oh, wow. <laughs> this was the discussion. A blind taste test. <laughs> right. <laughs> but nobody knew that they couldn't do it. So you're, you're judging the placebo effect. And you know what I said? I was like, you fund it and you tell me where to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. I would. Because I know what I'm doing. Right. I know what I do. And I, I don't care like if you believe it or you don't because ultimately the people who need it they're gonna find it my message isn't for everyone i always say that and i've I've said it even ten thousand times today i'm like i'm not for everyone i am not for everyone this is a whole lot of stuff (laughs) (laughs) it's a whole lot of mess like you like it or you don't like it that's fine it's cool some people you know i'm not their cup of tea but i'm a very strong whiskey and if you don't like that you don't like it (laughs) you know i'm really interested in the fact that this book comes out it, it gets on the mind of a lot of people it's getting a lot of coverage has there anybody out there who has been reading it and says you know fuck this is what i've been seeing too and they've reached out to you maybe and you've you've talked with people who who have the same ability not exactly that so what's been really cool about this book which i hilariously was never going to go public with this never ever i Why wasn't not? um i did this word of mouth for a decade basically i was content with that i don't make a profit from doing exorcisms it's not my work I'm a writer. That's what I do. I write film and television. I do okay. So I was doing this because it was 
I feel like my calling. To me, if you're not seeking fame and you're not seeking fortune from it, what's the point of going forward? There's nothing. And I didn't I didn't care for either of those things. So I was like, no, I don't need to do it because you also open yourself up to a lot of these things that I have now. Right. So, you know, I was very content taking clients and, and just doing things that way. And people have a good experience and they would tell somebody else and then those people would come. And this is how I met 90 percent of my celebrity clients was was because we were very hush and, you know, just did the thing. I ended up selling a, a film to Blumhouse, actually. I'm sure you're familiar with oh, those yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, they, you know how they have their annual Halloween party. And mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. introduced me as their resident exorcist, haha. And people ask a lot of questions normally, right? So I'm used to that. So I was, you know, drinking hands. I'll answer anything. <laughs> I got my drink on. I'm just sitting there, like, answering all the questions. And there was this one guy named Colin who, who spoke to me all night, had all these questions. And at the end of the night, he was like, so I work for NPR, and I'd love to do a story. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, at that point, I was like, you know, again, being someone who believes this very, have a lot of faith and other things science people hate, uh, being a someone of very devout faith actually and uh believing very much in divine timing i was like well it must be time to do this then and so that that article that came out and from there i got approached to do a book and i ended up debating actually whether i wanted to do the book it wasn't like a let's do a book it was like oh okay let me think about doing a book because Again, you're, you, you're coming out as something very controversial. That goes one of two ways. Really fucking good or really fucking bad. <laughs> and you get to experience both sides of the spectrum. What really did it for me, I think, in the end was exactly what you're saying. I decided I wanted to share it because I wanted people to understand that if they were going through these things... Whether they saw the entity or not, right? But if they were just going through things that doctors couldn't explain and and they just didn't understand, why is this happening to me? Everyone thinks I'm crazy because I swear something like this is going on. I wanted to make sure they understood that that does exist and, and they're not alone in that. That this is actually very common. That their favorite rock stars come to me with that. That their favorite Oscar winners come to me with that. You know? That there are people that they admire who go through the same things. And it's something that I see every single day of my life. And I thought that was that was really the driving force for me in the end. That That's what put it over the edge. It wasn't for any other reason. I just thought, well, if it's time, there's a reason for that time. And so let me just be brave and do it. You know, <laughs> let me just be brave and do it. And I'm really glad I did because a lot of people send messages like, oh, my God, this book is saving my life. Like. I thought I was crazy. I had no idea what was going on. Some people do see things, different things than me. Like some people are really amazing mediums who've just never acknowledged that they've been mediums because it's not allowed in their family or they just, you know, whatever. Or they have healing gifts, like interesting, bizarre to me, like physical healing gifts that I have no knowledge of, you know, because we're all different. We all have different things and are just like, wow, I actually feel empowered to do this now. Like, I feel like I can actually heal people or help people in some way or at least if nothing else this has helped me understand what i went through in my childhood why i felt this way why i had night terrors because guess what that's an entity also Mm. like all of these things that people go through that they just thought well 
I guess I'm just weird, but no, everybody's weird. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm, I'm also interested in this. Is it just geographic coincidence that you're seeing a lot? You have a lot of celebrity clients and high profile. <laughs> is that a geographical coincidence being in Hollywood? Or is there something about the kind of person that goes into that field? Maybe it's a low level of self-esteem or so. <laughs> is there something in particular that makes entities gravitate towards people like that? Or is it just? Well, you know, I think people are people, right? And funny enough, it's not just geographical because I have people fly in from New York to see me, you know, because there are celebrities who live all over the, mm-hmm, the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have high profile clients co- even coming in from different places. So I'm sure I see more because I live here. <laughs> right? <laughs> of course you do, because you can't go anywhere without seeing celebrities here. And if that still impresses you, I'm sorry. <laughs> like You're going to have to get over that real quick. Um, but yeah, probably. So probably some of that. But that and that's a question actually that I got a lot. So I did a radio tour one of those satellite radio tours mm-hmm. which is actually really fun to do but the the not fun part of it is you have to be up at like three in the morning to do like 24 <laughs> do one after another after another yeah, yeah. oh my god <laughs> that's, like, that's like it's so intense intense it was good and fine but so intense because you're talking like 25 radio stations and wow. like sun's not even up yet and you're like what is happening and you got to be like on it too so it's hard to get that going at three in the morning people one of the things that people always ask from the radio tours from places that are not LA mm-hmm. uh, you know because the, the rest of the world is not LA like totally whoa, whoa, slow totally down. not <laughs> <laughs> it's not sorry it's totally not right I would get questions about celebrity clients a lot and of course I never reveal who's come to me I will never do that unless they out themselves that's it and I, I've only signed like two or three NDAs in my whole life so I'm mostly trusted and I, I just will never share what their session was like, who came, whatever, unless they're like, that was me. I'm this person, um, which a few people have actually done. But, you know, it's not that common. Nobody wants to know. That, nobody wants anyone to know that they had demons exercised from them unless they're that guy. <laughs> and I do get sometimes that guy. You know, I'm actually really curious. Have you ever crossed paths with Adam Bly? No. You know who he is? Sounds familiar. Okay, so uh, you'd probably find him on some ghost hunter show from 10 years ago or so. Okay. But in recent years, he, uh, I believe, is a clinical psychologist. Oh, He worked cool. in the prison system for many years, and now he consults for the church. Oh, wow. That's so very cool. So he, he uh, I believe, his like, website's like religious demonology or something. So he's, he's like a demonologist. And he tells a story, you know, because people approach him and say, I want to do what you do. And he's like... Why would you Why want would to do you? what I do? No. And he, and he says, you don't understand because you, you can't have family. You can't have pets. You can't have a girlfriend or a wife because he... <laughs> no, uh, let's not talk about my love life. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're segueing into <laughs> no, no, no. I, pro- I promise I'm not. <laughs> I read the book. I know all about it. <laughs> you know too much. You know too much. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, he does say something uh, that, was, that caught my attention. He said, look, to do this, you have to be in a state of grace. Oh, yeah. And yes, you do. You got to be free of, of, of a romantic partner or wife or husband because the attack could come to them. You can defeat the demon, but the attack can come to them. How do you feel about that? I mean, I mean do, you, do you feel like your life is in danger when you do this? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I love to be cocky about it. 
Right? I do. I come off very cocky about it. People, people, like I said, they've reviewed my book and said, what an arrogant bitch. <laughs> um, and I know, I know that it sounds that way, but there's a method to that madness. I'm actually not. Anyone who knows me knows that that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth um, because I'm actually very generous. I'm very giving. Obviously, like this is, I live my life of service. So if you think that, you really don't know anything. Having said that, I'm always the person who says that I'm not afraid. I'm always the person who's like, fuck demons. I'm, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I've not met my match, you know. And I think there's a good thing about that. Being in a state of grace to me is keeping high frequency. Yes. Right? I tell people these things and I'm arrogant and I'm cocky and I'm a bitch about it because I have to be. I have to be. You are not going to want to come to me and have me be a vulnerable person who can't help you. You're not going to call me in to clear your basement of horrors, right? Your your collectors, which are other entities, your realm walkers, those movie style ones, which can also take over spaces much more dangerous, even in spaces than with people. Oh, well, wow. um, that's what this that's the, you know, the section on the Cecil Hotel. You don't want to call in a vulnerable exorcist to try and do this job. It's dangerous for me. I will not be in a state of high frequency. That makes me susceptible to something. Now, it may not be able to attach to me, but it will be able to do damage, right? Especially when you're talking about something that takes over a building because anything can happen in a building. And anytime an entity is strong enough to carry a building, let me tell you, it can do whatever it wants in that building. It can take the whole building down around you if it wants. I have to be in a place of high frequency, and I can have my mental breakdowns after. I cannot have them before, and I cannot have them during. Now, my love life is a shit show. No question about it. I call myself a nun. That's why Sister of Darkness is called that, because it was a joke. Because we had a joke. Myself and the editor had plenty, plenty of jokes about how I always joke that I'm a nun, because it's like, who's, who's dating this? Uh, not a lot of people. Because again, it's all this plus that. That's a lot to handle. To be honest, though, it can be dangerous for other people. I look at it differently than that because I know how it attaches. So I know what it can attach to and what it can't. And to be fair, it's not going to be able to attach to my potential loved ones. And it's definitely not going to be able to attach to a pet. That doesn't mean that they can't be annoying and nuisancey and cause damage and depending on what you're dealing with and how you're dealing with it how you're dealing with it too makes a big difference as to what it can do how insidious can it be i don't allow it i don't allow that to happen i don't allow it to get into my house i don't allow it to fuck with my pets i don't allow that but I know I can stop it from doing that i don't have questions see this is again when we go back to that victimhood even when you have someone who's very, very good at this job, the problem comes from the question. It comes from the questioning. That moment that you think it can do that, oh, it can. Hmm. It can. And that's why I say, no, it cannot. It how, do you, how do you keep your frequency high all the time? It's impossible to do it all the time. Like you have to be, I don't know, Buddha. You can't. Like you can't. Right. So because I'm also human. That's right, the other right. problem. <laughs> that's the other problem. <laughs> is I'm human and I do have an ego and things do affect me. And, I, you know, it takes a lot of years of practice to move that ego aside. And that doesn't mean, I should clarify that too, because I think that means that you're some kind of perfect person 
and and truly maybe some people are. I'm obviously not, and you can tell I'm obviously not peace, love, and light. That's just not my thing. Um, I'm the anti-hippie, obviously. Like, look at me. Which is, again, why I get judgment, too, because I always wear black, and I'm very goth-looking or rock-looking or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm always, like, got, you know, I'm very girly and ultra makeup and that's just, again, who I am, but people always assume, like, she works for Satan. <laughs> she looks like that. And I'm like, let's change your mind. Let's, let's, let's keep an open mind about this. But keeping high frequency is actually... It's a practice. It's a practice. And it's a practice for me just as much as it's a practice for somebody else. Now, I may be better at it now because I've had to. My job requires it. (laughs) So I have to face all those inner demons, if you will, and like look at everything and deal with my own traumas. Because if you read the book, you know that I had a very traumatic upbringing, a very abusive upbringing. And my mother was a very malignant, narcissistic person. And and the book only covers some of that. But she also had... um, Munchausen's and a lot of other things. So she she ended up essentially giving herself cancer, and then she died when I was in my early thirties, and I'm now not in my early thirties, and we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> but you know, so it's very difficult to keep high frequency because you're st- you know again not to be cliche, not to bring up all these cliches, but you are a spiritual being having a human existence, right? A human experience, and and so am I. I'm supposed to have an enlightened human experience. But some days I want to say, fuck this. I don't want to have an enlightened human experience. Some days I'm the same. And I just am like, why can't I just not do this ever again? How about that? That'd be great. You know, why do I have to see it? Because even if I stopped doing it, it's not I won't stop seeing it. So I'm just going to what? Ignore that people have it all the time. I obviously they pick the right person because I can't do that. It's difficult. There are definitely days. And I'll say, too, that I get a lot of emails. I obviously get a crazy ass amount of emails from people all over the place. And I cannot get to all these emails like I cannot. And I will get emails from people that say I'm going to commit suicide tonight if you don't help me. Wow. How do you keep high frequency? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you, you pick up the scotch and you go fuck this. And you have a night of really shitty frequency. (laughs) You're human. Right? And then the next... But see, here's the difference, right? This is what I try to teach people to do. I'm not saying you can't have that. Obviously, I'd be a hypocrite. I do it. But where's that baseline frequency? Where are you after that? Where are you, generally speaking? Are you doing the work? Because it takes work to be a conscious human being. A lot of people are walking around unconscious Mm -hmm. that's what entity depends on the more unconscious you are the better a snack you are (laughs) because it's like you don't believe in it great it believes in you it's like the law of attraction right right? absolutely it's exactly exactly what it is exactly that that. it is exactly that and people there are people who think that's a bunch of bullshit too but how you living i mean really how you living because my life shows that that's true how's your life going right you know a lot of people talk about the things that they want in life They want everything, but then immediately they negate that thought. I want this, but that's never going to happen to me. And I try to teach people, you know, because it's not always obviously about entity. I do a lot of work with people to try and raise their vibration, to get them to shed their own attachments. And I do Skype sessions with people to teach them this. I put stuff on Instagram to teach them how to do this all the time. Because it's part of the, the universal, universal, excuse me, consciousness. And we got to fix that. So it's all about all of this. People say, I want these things, but it's not going to happen for me. And I'm like, well, that's why it won't. And, and it's not that simple. I'm not saying, well, surprise, now it won't. What I'm saying is you're not in alignment with a thing that you want. 
you're instantly saying you're undeserving of that. You need to get to a place, an energy place, where the thing that you want seeks you, right? If you're, and I always say this too, like, you know, to just try and help people see this. If we're rungs on the ladder energetically, and you're at a two, but the things you want start at five, then you need to get to five. Because all the things that you want are right there. And all this shit that you hate in your life will not find you at five. Those are twos, <laughs> right? So you got to get up there. And it takes daily work to do that. It takes work. You have to absolutely be conscious and aware. What are the thoughts that I'm putting, recycling into my body? Number one, that has an energy. How am I treating someone else that has an energy? How am I treating the planet that has an energy? If you just go around and you're unconscious of everything, but you want and you want and you want, good luck with that. Good luck with that. You'll never get it. It reminds me of science. I mean, not to keep bringing it back to science, but when I was a kid, uh, my parents trying to teach me karma and I didn't get it because I couldn't wrap my head around it. But at some point, and when I was still young, I don't know, maybe my father taught me this. I don't remember. But taking Newton's second law of thermodynamics, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Absolutely. So to me, as you're describing everything, I still think it's all, it's physics. Yes. And on a level, I mean, it gets to the level of quantum physics. Which is my favorite thing. It's totally provable. <laughs> it's a real thing. And the quantum theories prove out the whole energy level thing. And also a pseudoscience. Technically, <laughs> technically, right? right. Technically, still a pseudoscience, but it's getting more and more right. obvious. But years ago, right, people were like, "That's not even a yeah, thing." So it's just that's the funny thing about science is people love to tell you definitive things about science, right. and it's like you are not the definitive scientist. You don't have everything you need to judge that yet. We are all working towards that movement. Every single one of us. We're all part of that equation. Right. So, yes, it's exactly that. I, I absolutely believe that. And again, you know, even just when you're talking about how energy works and like microwaves and radio waves, you don't see that it still works. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the same idea. The yeah. things that you put out, they come back. They come back in energetic waves. That's how it is. The universe. When we talk about speaking to the universe and we talk about the secret, we talk about all those things. Right. Or even just looking at it as quantum mechanics. Right. The universe is not going to diagnose what you're saying. It's not going to go, oh, man, that person's out of two. They really want that. <laughs> OK, I'm just going to throw it out at you. No, it's not going to do that. It's actually it's going to look at what you're projecting as an energy and reward you likewise. So if you're in a space where you're like. I hate people, but I really want a relationship. I hate the relationship you're going to get. You're going to get all those relationships you don't want yeah. from all of those people where you're like, fuck this. What just happens? This is not what I wanted at all. But that's what happens because that's what you're putting out there. And we all have to learn through that. That's not... It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, you know, start at this. You, you should be here. No, no. Everybody works at their, their own pace. Some people become conscious and some don't ever. This might not be the lifetime for certain people to be conscious. That's okay. That's all right. But you have to decide what you want to do because it's all about the, that selfish act of being you, right? <laughs> that you have to decide. And so you decide what you work through. Do you want to keep repeating the same patterns or do you actually want to try something different? And if you do, it's going to hurt. 
it's gonna hurt but you've got to be okay with that and you've got to be okay with looking at every fucking monster inside yourself and dealing with it and not suppressing it because that's that's why we have attachment that's why people have trauma because they don't know how to release it we stuff it down this is a society of get over it we tell people with mental illness get the fuck over it i'm sorry how do you do that we tell people to meditate and stop, get, you know, turn off your brain. I'm sorry. How do you do that? Because your brain's been running the show your entire life. You don't know how to work from a hard space. You can't just do that. No. You know, you can't just bypass the operations you've been taught by every person before you who didn't know what the hell they were doing. Right. Because that's what parents are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know that till you are an adult. <laughs> but it's the truth. Right. Because we, when we're children and we're taught, number one, we find out very quickly. Right. That this is a very fear based culture that we live in. And then number two, we're taught rules and expectations. And those rules and expectations are defined by perception. That's what it is. But we don't know that as children. As children, what we think adults say to us is God. This is how life works, because this is what my parents said. So if you have a parent who's riddled with anxiety, who is an alcoholic, who is a drug addict, who is all these things, that's what you're taught. Right. And you believe that because you don't know any different. You don't know any different. We don't understand as children that everything that we are taught is an amalgamation of perception. None of it is real and all of it is real. (laughs) Right. But none of it's real. Because we're not yet making those decisions on our own. But the problem is that we grow up and we take that on and that becomes the inner voice. We have to undo that in order to become conscious people. We have to undo every single bit of it and go back to spirit because that's really what we are. That's how we turn the mind off and find out what the heart space is. That's how we understand, oh, shit, my parents didn't know anything. And now I'm an adult and I'm like, what the garbage am I teaching? (laughs) I don't know what the hell I'm teaching. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing my best. I don't know what that is. But you're not the definitive answer. And you know that now because there's so many things you don't know. Right. So it's very scary, you know, as a child growing up in things that are less than perfect, which most children do. And then taking that on and becoming adults who just feel so unlovable and so unworthy that they attack and they lash out and they lash inward and they do all kinds of violent and horrible, shitty things to one another and have to get that out somewhere. And it's like, wait, if we just stop and we just look at this and we take a moment to even think, because, you know, there are so many people who've been going through the motions for so long, they don't even think about the violent shit or shitty shit that they do. And it's like, wait, stop. If you took a moment and you thought about it and you actually started to undo this damage and you actually dealt with this pain because that's all it is. Everybody's in pain. Everybody's suffering all the time, walking around suffering. If people were not afraid that they would die if they dealt with this pain, imagine how different the entire world would be. Profoundly, profoundly different. You know, I'm really fascinated with the taxonomy in your book. I thought it was really interesting how you define it where you have humans in the middle Yes. And then below it is all the negative. You know, he starts with the clay barkers and <laughs> yeah. the Sandman. Although he's then, great, though not. <laughs> it starts with Clyde Barker. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because you, you, you describe what they look like and, and uh, at each level. Right. And now, going the opposite way, you also describe that above humans, you have angels. 
yes. and guides. A lot of things. Actually. Now, do, do you see them also? I do. I do. That's why when someone ever says, and again, this sounds so arrogant. That's why people call me a bitch on, on Amazon. Um, <laughs> because when people are like, you need to find Jesus. I'm like, I've seen Jesus. You don't need to find Jesus. <laughs> Found him. Um, yeah. He's been here. Don't worry about it. He's been here. We're cool. You don't have to, to, to worry about me and Jesus. We're fine. Um, yeah. No, you do. You actually do. Thank God I do, actually. Um, because I think, and I think that, again, uh, that's that's that balancing of the equation, right? It's like, if you just saw all the negative things, I don't know what I would be like if I only saw the negative things. I think um, if I had seen that as a child and I didn't have anything to balance that out, who knows what I would think of the world. But I think they, you know, spirit knows better than I do. Can you, can you define spirit? Universe, source, God, whatever, however you want to call that. You know, Would be a combination of all? Yes. For me, it's, spirit is all-encompassing. So when right. I talk about spirit, I'm talking about all these dudes, all these guys. And they're all smarter than I am. And uh, they all know better than I do. And they started showing me very early, like, oh, look, here's actually something nice. Let me show you something nice. And I would see angels... Spirit guides, ma what people call master teachers, even um, religious figures would come and they do still. All many different types of religious figures, gods and goddesses, all kinds of things from uh, pagan religions. It's very interesting because the way that I was able to distinguish them as a child when I couldn't quite see as well as I see now when they were kind of bringing things to me slowly was the feeling, right? When you would have something malevolent around you you would have those intense malevolent feelings like stomach sickness like sick to your stomach and like oh god really frightened and really scared and 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 all of that and when you would have something really nice around you you would feel that complete peace warm loving light and to this day you know now i can see and and how they always present themselves to me and and again even with entity i say this do they look like that 100% of the time when you're not looking? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This right. is how they present themselves to me. And to me, like when it's entity, they're presenting themselves to me what in what I believe is a more raw form that they're presenting to people. Like with tricksters, for example, who are presenting themselves as whatever you want. I see them all the time one way. With high beings, I, and that's what I call them, high beings, uh, all-encompassing high beings, they tend to present themselves to me as they would be painted, as they are in paintings. And I don't think they really look like that. I'm not saying like, oh, th this is like a very beautiful white Jesus that presents himself <laughs> That's what Jesus looks like or whatever, you know, or like um, Diana, the goddess comes to me with like, you know, flowing hair and that's what she looks like. No, I don't know that. What I say is that they, I think they present themselves to me like that so that I recognize the energy. I don't think they look like that at all. I think they just are energy. I think everything is actually just energy and they just are this cool, really high vibrational energetic thing that goes real fast and I probably not see it at all. Um, but they slow it down and they're like, look, it's me. <laughs> like, okay, cool. And it, it, it's great, actually, because when people come in. So I do get clients on occasion that are very religious, that feel very uncomfortable coming to me because they're like, this feels like, I don't know, it's anti-church or it's anti-whatever. Right. But they're desperate. You know, you don't go to an exorcist unless you're desperate. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much how I see everybody. But they are desperate and they do want help. And they're like, you know, I need to fix this, whatever this is. 
And oftentimes what will happen is the high beings that will come in will, will be some that they feel comfortable with that I might not have called in for myself because I have certain ones that I work with all the time that just are my my group, if you will. <laughs> but there are others that I might not even think of. Like I, I had a client who, who was very, very religious and um, Mother Mary came in and was like, I'm here to help with this. I said that to her, you know, just so you know, this is not even someone I normally call in. And she was like, oh, my God, I have such a that's like my whole heart right there. Like I I worship, worship, worship her. I just think she's the most amazing. And so that's why she came in. People have, again, multiple opinions on what I'm seeing and what they think I'm seeing and whether they think I'm crazy or whatever. That's all cool. But I know that that's what's coming in for people when they're there. And that, again, is not necessarily someone that I would call in. And I've had a lot of opinion also, side note, on that I will pull in high beings that are religious icons, quote unquote, and pagan gods and goddesses at the same time. That's the thing that ultimately drives them crazy. <laughs> that's where most of my hate mail comes from. Because they're like, what? That's pagan. That's Wiccan. That's all, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, actually, they're high beings and they work together. That's why they come in. They work together. There is not one religious high, you know, religious icon. I, I won't even call them religious because none of them are religious. Let's be honest. They're high beings. They're spiritual <laughs> beings. It's not about religion. That came after. <laughs> there is not one high being who would be like, I'm not working with that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding? <laughs> That's the whole opposite of being a high being. You know? So, so during uh, an exorcism, is spirit always coming forth to help you? Oh, yeah. All the time. Because that's the that's the the thing, right? It's like, think about all the things that have to work in alignment for someone to even get to me. There's a method and a madness to that, right? They have to find me and they have to get to me. I have to have the time. I, I have all these things have to fall into place, even just for Skype sessions. I get... I don't do exorcisms via Skype, first of all, let me clarify that. But I do help people kind of work in that conscious place and tell them what's going on with them and how to fix these things. I will get hundreds of people who want Skype sessions. I don't have time for hundreds of Skype sessions. I will open to 30, 40. And even just for them to be able to get that, there's a certain amount of energy going on, right, to make that happen, to bring that to alignment. Spirit is part of that. Spirit is part of all of it. Spirit is part of everything I do. Those are the people who most will benefit. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone will do the job, right? Do the work. I get a lot of people. It's the thing that pisses me off the most. I used to give myself so much shit about this. So, so hard on myself when I would have people and I would give them the the clean everything. Here's the clean everything. We took trauma out because that, that's another thing, right? We have to take the energy signature of that trauma out. So we take the trauma out. We remove the trauma you've been storing for who God knows how long and the entity attachment. And you decided to go out there and whatever. <laughs> go right back to it. And I used to get so mad about that. And I was like, you know how, like... How many people want to do this? And like you had the opportunity to do this and you just shit showed yourself again. And now I'm like so mad. And some of these were people like I know or like celebrities I know or like and I have friends who won't even let me touch them like there. So there's that going on, too. So it's just like whenever you want to help someone and you try to help someone, 
and then they just fall to pieces anyway because they just decided they didn't it was not like they couldn't they couldn't hack it is really what it is to stay in that mindful place they couldn't do it they just couldn't do it they went back to the routine that is so hard for me and still like i'm better at it now but it's still hard for me but you know spirit always tries that's i guess that's what i'm getting to like spirit always tries but i i i laughingly say that um high being even high beings are like vampires because in spirit guides and all that and oh, those are all high beings to me they're all like vampires not in the way that they take which is you know what entities do but you have to invite them in huh. you have to invite them in because they very wholeheartedly believe in your free will and they will stand on the sidelines and watch you crash and burn over and over again mm. if you don't want the help they have to hear you say i am asking you for help now I am ready to receive it because that's also a thing. You got to be ready to receive. That's that's the alignment thing, right? You can't just say you want it. You got to be ready to receive. Got to be ready to receive. And if you are truly ready to receive and you are saying out loud, God damn it, Jesus, take the wheel. I need your help. Get in here. Do some, <laughs> do some servicing. I am saying to you, I am ready. I need this. They will always do it. You may not feel it right away. You may not know what's going on. But if you stay in that space, eventually you're going to feel it and you're going to start seeing those messages. And and I do tell people also, you know, another thing that people don't realize because they don't know how or they don't remember how, is I try to tell people that actually every person on this planet can speak to their deceased loved ones and their spirit guides. Every single person. That is a spiritual birthright you have. You just don't know how to do it. You just don't remember or you don't trust it. It's more that you don't trust it. It comes in, but you don't trust it. Well, it's like it's the cynicism you were talking about before. Right. Our, our culture has driven it out of us. Has Absolutely. Driven that clarity. None of this is real. That's right. what the culture says. Or like the Day of the Dead, that, that type of opening. I mean, exactly. I kind of being able to talk and celebrate like the dead has passed and give them space to come. I don't exactly. Know if, is that No, that's true. But the reality is, like I said, dead people love to chat. They can't wait to talk to you. They want to talk to you all the damn time. They don't need a day. Like, it's fine. You want to honor me? Cool, cool. You can honor me. But I'm, I'll just sit next to you all the damn time, tell you what to do with your life all day long, like, like they did when they were alive, um, if given the chance. But you can do it. It comes in. It comes in in different forms. It'll come in in ways that someone will pick up. That's how spirit works. So, you know, if you're not a visual person, you're not going to see it. Or if you're like, hell no, don't show me that. You're not going to see it. Because <laughs> a lot of people are like, don't show me that. Um, but if you're a word person, um, it'll come in quick thought. If you're someone who listens to music and you get messages through music, it will come in that. If you're a person who, who notices pattern, you'll see you know repeated numbers you'll see feathers coins things like the butterflies whatever you'll see those things and you'll notice it and that's how spirit speaks and the the more you are open to it the clearer those messages become so for me you know provided that it's not me being an emotional mess over something you know going back to the you know being a human <laughs> if, if i'm in a decent place and i'm not like fuck it you know i actually will get those messages before I even have the thought, I'll know that they'll just come in because it's energetic. I'm sending the energy out. The energy comes in and they're very high vibrational. So what that means is fast, 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 fast vibration. That's also deceased people. Fast, fast, fast vibration, um, which is why people see orbs and things like that rather than the person oftentimes. Um, 
they're moving at a high speed, high speed, high speed. So what happens with the messages is they'll come into you, but you'll be like, that's my thought. And you'll push it right out. That's what people do because of that cynicism. They don't believe it. They don't believe that if, if I have a thought suddenly about a deceased loved one that they're here, well, that's actually what happens. That's why you're having the thought. But they don't believe that. They don't understand. They're like, why? Why am I thinking about this right now? It doesn't make sense. Well, because they're standing there or they're with you or they're trying to get a message to you. So if you have dreams about deceased All the people, time. Are they they're trying to talk to you? Or? When you have dreams about deceased people or deceased pets, deceased pets do this a lot too. When you have a dream that has a feeling associated to it, that is absolutely a visitation. Absolutely a visitation. And side note, that's the other kind of visitation too. Um, when you have a... A nightmare, quote unquote, but the feeling is really there. That's a visitation. And I get these things that I call bad moons in the book. They're they're called bad moons. Uh, I've had hilarious uh, friends joke and call it a cosmic period. Um, (laughs) But it's it's uh, it's basically like every four to six weeks. And it's not like clockwork or anything. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's less. I'll get visitations from um, sundown to sunup, entity after entity after entity after entity. So I don't get much sleep. (laughs) But I believe that that happens because of that energetic balancing, because I'm taking entities off the planet so much. So when you get rid of a demon, are they gone forever? Do they find someone else? Or when you get it out of a person, where does it go? Is it? Well, I used to be nice. (laughs) (laughs) But you started killing them. (laughs) I read that. That's true. That's exactly exactly the truth. I used to be super nice. And I used to go by that peace, love and light mentality. Because, you know, when you when you start doing stuff like that, there are a lot there are a lot of energy workers who do different things. Right. And uh, that's why people will sometimes when they don't like the word exorcist, they'll be like, you're an energy worker. I'm like, that's a very broad term. I work in exorcism. That's the energy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there are energy workers do a lot of different things. And a lot of them are very peace, love and light. You know, that's their whole thing. Like, stay in the light. You got to be light. Got to be light. Got to be light. So in the beginning, I was like, well, I got to be light. I got to be light means I got to take it easy on these things. Right. You know, they don't know. I don't know. Maybe they feel bad. (laughs) So I used to just remove them and send them back to source, just remove and send back to source. But then I noticed something. I noticed that when you would remove them and send them back to source, if the person that you took them from, like, so, for example, if it was a trickster, that symbiotic situation or even let me give you one that we haven't even talked about. So if it's a wraith, what I call a wraith, a wraith attaches to people who have sexual dysfunction. That could mean molestation. That could mean rape. That could mean being exposed to something too adult as a child. And those are the people who end up having night terrors where they see dark figures. That's the dark figure. Those are wraiths. And also sleep paralysis. They cause sleep paralysis, something heavy on the chest, something whatever. If somebody came to me and had a wraith and I took it out But they were not in a space to be okay without it because, again, there's a weird symbiotic situation with that because what a wraith will actually do is make you think, make the host think that it's protecting them from something scary. So they will not have relationships with people or they'll only have sexual relationships with people or they will have no sexual relationship with people. All kinds of different ways that goes. But they will be feeling like this is protective in some way. There's something protecting them, shielding them, keeping them from that. If they left me and they were still in that space, 
here comes that wraith, right? Because they're open still. They want it back. So it's like, oh, you want me back? Sweet. I don't have to go looking for something else. And that was the other thing is then they, then I'm leaving them to go look for something else. Even if that person's like, I'm done with you. Then they're like, oh, I got to feed. I got to look for something else. So what I ended up starting to do was, yes, I've destroyed them. I don't, I don't let them live yeah. anymore. Good. Keep, keep doing that. <laughs> can you, uh, can you describe the procedure for the exorcism you perform? It's a little different for everybody and everything. So every entity is slightly different. I will say that there are some similarities, right? I always will call in high beings. Here's the bottom line of what I'm doing. It's not that different than what a priest is doing, but we just have very different methods of how we do it. When a priest goes in and performs the rite, right? Mm -hmm. They have a lot of different items and tools with them, like obviously Bibles and holy water and things like that. But beside the items and the tools, I'm sure, I, I believe wholeheartedly that any priest who has done this work will tell you. And in fact, I just had an interview with someone who just had interviewed a priest who was very famous for doing this work and said, right on, that's what he says. <laughs> They will tell you that the most important job that they have, the most important tool that they have is they have to stay strong and empowered in doing that. Right. So basically what they're telling you is I got to pull in high frequency. <laughs> right. Jesus. That's what I got to do. Yeah. And they bring in high being. Yep. Right. Well, so do I. I just know that that's what I'm doing. Right. It's a different way of looking at mm -hmm. it. Bottom line, what I have to do to release an entity from a person is to flood the body with high frequency. Why do we do that? Well, because high frequency is the thing that agitates an entity the most. There's nothing to feed from, from high frequency, which is why talking to people when I teach them to do these things on their own, not exorcism, which I would never teach someone to do on their own, because, yeah, why would you want to do it? I don't know. People think it's cool. Let me tell you. No. no. <laughs> when I teach them to raise their own consciousness and work on their vibration, essentially what I'm asking them to do is starve the entity. So they do it slowly. I do it quickly. That's the difference. When you fill a body and spirit and spirit around the body with high frequency, it forces the entity out because it's so uncomfortable. It's so unpleasant. It cannot stay in there. It will die in there. So it's got to come out. It's not going to die anyway. But the first thing it'll do is come out, right? Because it just can't be in there anymore. So that's the first thing I do. I call in high, high beings. We're going to flood the body with high frequency. I also make herb blends or, you know, incense blends that work to function that out so you know i'll have uh, a bunch of things that i wouldn't recommend someone burning at home <laughs> <laughs> i do have those like wolfsbane i have you know blue lotus i have a lot of things that people consider poison or toxic I, and they're not poison or toxic to breathe in they're you know you just don't want to eat them <laughs> although people do drink blue lotus i don't know Jeez. good luck to you I, i'm not gonna do it um i don't need to hallucinate i see demons thanks <laughs> every Every day is a hallucination for me. That's why I never have done any kind of, uh, you know, I don't drop any acid or anything right. like that. I'm like, what the fuck would happen if I did that? That's not the world would just fold in and into itself. It's a black hole. Let's not do it. I don't want to be the cause of that. But, you know, so there are, there are things that I burn that are considered more dangerous, but it's because those are the things, you know, for me, I know the safety of those things. They will instantly cleanse that space. They're, they're, dangerous for a lot of reasons and one of those things you know is the mythical danger of it where it's like it will instantly take shit out of a space 
And I also burn a lot of copal, which is, you know, an amber resin, but it's it's uh, an amber resin that will instantly cleanse a space. You know, frankincense, which the church uses a lot, that's high vibrational. So there are a lot of different things that I have to use to get things out of people because it's important that you're breathing these things in that the space has this functioning going on because we don't want to we don't want something coming out and just hanging out either you know what i mean we've got to trap it and trap it um you know ghostbuster style if you will (laughs) (laughs) you know and i have i have things set up in my space to do exactly that so when it comes out of the body there's only so much it has basically I don't even know, like a three or four foot window. That's it. It can't do anything beyond that space. It cannot leave that space at all, at all, at all. And that's when I'm able to to take it and and transmute that. What about personal protection for yourself? (laughs) Nobody can see this, but I'm tatted up with personal protection. (laughs) What do you have? What are those? These are the Seals of Solomon. Wow. Um, All up on her both arms, actually, on her forearms. Yes, and actually will will soon also be up the backs of my legs. Wow. It's like Constantine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it for a reason. Uh, yeah, the right idea. No, you do. I, I used to wear protection, lots of protective jewelry, which I still do from time to time. But I found that to be not as effective because eventually those come off. And spirit, you know, like we can only do so much. If you're doing an exorcism and that falls off, you know, you're definitely more susceptible than you were. <laughs> Again, it can't attach to me. And I'm hyper vigilant about that. You, nothing can attach to me. Like I'm I'm on it even in my sleep. I'm on it because <laughs> you have to be. You have to be because I do get that where they'll try and come in. They always try and come in out of curiosity or weirdness or whatever. You have to be protected even just to keep that energy up, you have to be protected. And so the seals of Solomon are actually very dangerous to put on your body. I wouldn't recommend it. There are people who have them on their bodies because they think they're cool or they look fun or whatever. I actually had to consult with spirit for a year before I put them on my body because they're very dangerous to have. I don't know if you're familiar with the seals of Solomon, but they're very ancient. And a lot of them ha- are about having manipulation and control over nature. That goes against what you're allowed to have spiritually. So a lot of people who think they're fun and just put them on their bodies actually have very negative consequences for doing that. I wanted to be respectful, but I knew that I had to have them. So I spent a year kind of going over which ones. How do I use that? Because you they're usable when you have them and you use them correctly. Um, and then, you know, which ones are the ones that will help me be best at my job (laughs) i guess so i had to make sure that i was even okay to put Mm -hmm. those on and and now that i do have them um i will say they've made a world of difference i've even heard that like even like writing out like enochian symbols and stuff can have negative effects these are symbols for a reason yeah yeah, very very powerful people put a lot of energy into these symbols and and seals of solomon there are a lot of them that have to do with having control over demons and like you really want to put that on your body without knowing how to use that? Good luck to you because you're going to attract every shitty thing. Every <laughs> shitty thing to you. Can you talk about the scariest demon that you had to tackle? <laughs> like the craziest shit you've seen that 
will scare me and I won't say that. <laughs> I want to hear that. <laughs> well, the, the most dangerous and scariest demons are what I would, or movie style, right? That are what I call realm walkers. And I call them realm walkers because they can do fucking anything. They are the most malevolent and the most intelligent. And I always tell people this too, right? What the other thing that they get wrong in the movies is that in the movies, you're seeing a realm walker. Like, that's basically what they're showing you as the right. devil or like the demon with the name or whatever. That's a realm walker. It's not the devil. I've never seen the devil. I don't know if there is a devil. What I can tell you is there are multiple realm walkers. They're not common, but they there are mo- there's more than one. Right. Do they show up because of somebody gave up their free will? Not exactly, because realm walkers also hold a space, which is the, what I'll tell you about. But but they definitely like to be around people who are more than willing to give <laughs> up their free will. But the thing that movies get wrong with those things is in the movies, I don't know why, maybe because it's like more scary or something for a movie, is that they're always showing realm walkers taking over the body of like some girl on a farm out in the Midwest yeah. and scaring five people to death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of energy for something that intelligent to bother with it's not it doesn't give a shit about five people it only goes after major world influencers that's what it wants it wants to tip scales why would it choose anything different like let's let's just be real here <laughs> right like they wouldn't so it's going to go after major world changers and the only time that that's different is if that girl on that farm is going to be something really something. <laughs> and it wants to start early because it's actually scared. That's what it's doing. It's actually frightened that we don't want this girl. I don't want this girl to survive. Then it will do that. But it wants to make global change. And so those are the scariest in general. And there are very few people who have it. Obviously, there are very few people who are world changers and it will only go after people who are already in a space where they are power hungry and willing to do anything because realm walkers will make a very symbiotic. They, they are very symbiotic. They are cocky, much cockier than me. <laughs> <laughs> they will show themselves. They will let you know they're with you. They are, the, you know, the ones you make the pact with. Right. I'll sell my soul for this. That's a realm walker. That's what they do. And they will take over buildings. So in the book, we talk a lot about the Cecil Hotel downtown, which is no longer called the Cecil Hotel. But that is a hotel that inhab- that uh, I should say a realm walker inhabits the hotel. But I do say that the hotel inhabits a realm walker. That realm walker controls that entire hotel and most of Skid Row. Now, could you just briefly... For people who don't know, yeah, some of the sort of things that went on at that hotel. So that hotel is a, has a very infamous history. A lot, a lot of serial killers lived in that hotel. Their copycats lived in the hotel. <laughs> the Black Dahlia was rumored to actually have been murdered there instead of um, the Souden House. The Souden House, <laughs> which is technically where people who live in Los Angeles and know the history believe the Black Dahlia was actually murdered. Oh. But most people who really do the history on that believe that she was found actually found outside the hotel back in the back of the hotel there have been multiple suicides more rapes than have been counted disappearances of people and one of the more recent tragedies that happened there was elisa lamb who 
for people who are not familiar, if you saw Dark Water, you <laughs> you kind yeah. of know what happened to her. Um, she was an exchange, or not an exchange student, but I guess she came over from Canada and she ended up staying at this hotel, which even now people are like, what the hell? It's, it's not a pretty hotel. Like, it's gross. <laughs> gross. And it's the worst, in the worst part of Los Angeles. Yes. Like, the worst yeah. part of Los Angeles. And this was a pretty young, you know, nice girl from Canada, you know, and she ends up staying at this hotel and very long story short days later people start complaining about the taste of the water coming out of the faucets and the police come and they find her decomposing body in a water tower on the roof and then they deem it a suicide Mm. she was like 75 pounds and naked in a water tower that was closed above her that she probably couldn't even lift the lid of and no drugs in her system. Nothing. But they're like, absolutely, this is a suicide. Okay. So, getting further down that rabbit hole, there is a video online that you can look up that shows her in an elevator. And I'm going to break down this video for you. Because even if you have seen it, there's probably these things that you missed. Very few people have noticed some of these weird, weird things that are in the video beyond the basic weirdness of the video. <laughs> So she goes into the elevator and she looks like she's running from something. She keeps looking out the the elevator both ways, both ways, both ways. Comes back in, hits all the buttons, trying to get the elevator to close. And lo and behold, it never closes, doesn't close. Right. Very weird. (laughs) Right? Never closes. She's hitting like door close and the elevator won't close. And she's panicked. And you can see she's very panicked. Like, no question, this woman is terrified of something. Now... If you look closely, you will see that she's basically scared of something coming from the right. If you look at the video closely, you will see for a split second. Someone from the left walks into view and walks out. You will not see his whole body. You will see the front of a shoe. And then he immediately pulls himself out because he knows he can be seen. And that's when you see her seconds later walk this way, look again and start going the, uh, towards his direction. Now, let me tell you what happened. What happened was that realm walker made itself known and she was running from it. And in fact, she is a deceased person who has come to me over and over and over again. She came to me starting several years ago when this happened to her and said, I need you to go into the space. I need you to tell my parents what happened to me. I need you to find something of mine. And I, at the time, I had no book. I had no nothing. And I was like, I don't know how you think I'm going to do that. But here she is. She was right. And she has followed me off and on ever since. But she would show me constant images of things that she went through and the night before and she had all these weird things <laughs> confirmation that's confirmation the lights just dimmed yeah the lights dimmed and lit up again confirmation that, that she's she's here and approving this message she would show me when she first started coming to me and this is this is going to creep you out. This will be oh, the creepy shit. story. <laughs> oh, shit. I, I had never set foot in this hotel, and still to this day, I won't until I tackle this thing. I stay away from it because it knows me and I know it. So we know it's on, but I don't go in there yet because you need to be ready to go in there for that. But she would show me 
here's the room I was in. This is what it looked like. When I was on the bed, the bed would levitate. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I was really scared. That's what kicked me out of the room. And it would follow her. It showed itself to her. It showed itself to her. She was terrified of it. And at first, when she started showing me these things, I was like, okay, I need to look up the room. Like, I need to see if I'm seeing what what is accurate here. And I would look up the room and it looked exactly like she showed me. And I had never seen it, never seen it. The same kind of weird flowered bedspread, like all the same things that she had shown me. So she went out into the hallway. It's It's coming. It's coming for her. And it leads her to this space with this man. This man is coming from this side. And he says to her, which of course you don't hear, I see it too. Come with me. And he kills her. And that realm walker has brought murderers to that space from all over the place to keep that going, to keep that horror going, to keep Mm -hmm. feeding, 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 feeding. And um, what I've said in the book is that the uh, not interesting, I guess, is a poor choice of words, but something that has happened there this whole time through various murderers, which is, again, how you know the theme is not one person, right? It's it's this thing. Every single one of them has collected a souvenir from every single victim they've ever had, including victims people don't know were victims. And they have hidden it in the hotel. And part of what I want to do when I go in to exercise this thing once and for all is I want to bring the police with me so that they can, whatever, and a, and a medium, someone who can actually focus on the deceased people, because I won't be able to focus on the deceased people doing this. I got to focus on one thing. Someone who's a very good medium who can lead the police to where these items are because they've been moved around since I wrote about it. I wrote that they were in the air ducts and that's where she showed me they were. But someone caught wind of that knowledge and changed it again. So now those items are in a different location, but one of her items is in there as well. And this is like items since that hotel was built. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Crazy. We've had many conversations, just a group of us about that. Of course. At least a lamb case. I mean, over and over again. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, Because there's been so many stories, but not until that elevator video. Right. Was there something tangible? Right. And if, and again, you can trust me on this. If you look at that video again, you'll see that person walking into frame and then immediately walking out because they know they're in frame wow. and they will not be in frame. Wow. And she follows them. And that is un- unfortunately what ends up killing her. And then, of course, you can't even blame the police when they come and say it's a suicide because here's the thing that that, that entity can do. It's an influencer. So it can be like, yeah, it's a suicide. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, it's a suicide. It influences people and that kind of entity, that's why it's it's rare, like like the church says, very rare to have that attached to you because why? <laughs> when it can multiply itself so much by pulling everybody right. in and doing all of these things at once and feeding off of a multitude of people, why you? There has to be a reason for you if that's the case. Like it didn't attach itself to one murderer. It was like, well, why would I? I can have many murderers. And it can influence anybody who's susceptible in that space, which is why even in the book, I say when I go into that space, I'm bringing a documentary team, number one, because I want people to see it. I want people to see you. Do you think this is not real? Okay, let me show you. 
And then besides that, I have to be very specific and cautious about who I bring in there because it takes over men most. It's violent towards women. So I have to bring in mostly a female team. I will tell you that ever since I have been public about the fact that I want to do this and that I will at some point do this management or no management, you know, I'm going to do it ever since I went public with that knowledge. And this is in the book as well. That, again, no mean to freak you out because this is going to freak you out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> homeless people around that area have come up to me and said things to me like, you'll never fucking get in. Fuck you. What? I know about you. I'm coming for you because it will take over masses of homeless people. Uh, when I was talking about it on the phone one day and we were solidifying the potential to do it, a dove fell out of the sky in front of me dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you want to talk about that's what a movie style entity is. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> wow. what it is. Yeah. So does it take, in this case, because it's just, just a fascinating thing and hearing all this especially which comes first the entity or the hotel were they building the hotel in the end like how did we get to here it's the space yeah it's the space there are just some places on the earth that are darker than others yeah and that happened to be a space that was very dark and it, you know anyone who lives in la who goes down to skid row for anything even you go to like clifton's or whatever you're close enough that you can see you know it's a very bad place it's a very dark place. And even when things are not violent there, which is very rare, you can feel it. It's malevolent. It just is malevolent. And, you know, we, we don't trust our intuition enough, but that's it's a malevolent space on Earth. And there are several spaces on Earth that are malevolent, which is one of the things that we thought about doing for a documentary series. If I ever get the time to do a documentary series, because I also um, have another television series coming, but is going to those places. So not just the Cecil, mm -hmm. but like those places on earth that are just notoriously dark spaces and cleansing those spaces out. And then seeing what happens after, right? Because once I get in there and I can do this, the entire downtown system will change. <sighs> You got to go and uh, fix Annabelle while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't believe in any of that. <laughs> and let me tell you why. I have an uncomfortable feeling about the Warrens. Really? And, and I'm very, I'm very open about it. Like, it's not a challenge or anything. I just, I just think it's like, okay. Because here's what I think is funny. Now... I can't say that they're real or fake because everyone is different. Everybody handles these things different. They obviously had a, at, at minimum, an interest in helping, a vested interest in trying to help people. So that's positive, all good. And at least a fascination with what was going on energetically um, with people. My issue is that the way they handled it to me is very stupid because they took items that they believed were possessed demonically, not just possessed, not just like, oh, this belonged to a deceased person. OK, whatever. Demonically possessed that were, that were giving people apparently real bad problems and then put them in their basement under glass and thought that would do it. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait a minute, though, like you have a child in your house, number one. And. Uh, 
if you were working and going to these places where the, these things were happening, then you clearly know it doesn't need to stay in a doll, and it doesn't need to stay in a suit of armor, and it doesn't need to stay in that piece of paper, or whatever, whatever these things are, so many different cases. And I understand, I get it, because, because the answer to that is, well, priests came and blessed it all the time, so, you know. But it's like, think about it, just logically, it's energy. You're not going to put a safe around it. It's not going to just stay in there because you got, you know, a lock on the door. Like, it's that's not how energy works. It's not going to do that. And the other fundamental issue with that for me is there is no demonic anything that will inhabit an item and want to stay in the item. The only reason it's doing that is to get to you. It can't feed off an inanimate object. It needs to feed off a person. That's the only food it wants. So it's not going to stay stuck in a doll under your glass, you know, cabinetry <laughs> in the basement. I would not keep that item. I'd burn the shit out of that item. I wouldn't keep that item. I think that's crazy. That's crazy. And if I had a child, forget that. No, hell no. That item's not coming home with me. Considering your traumatic uh, upbringing. Sure. And considering how you're helping so many people today. <laughs> Thanks. Have you found inner peace? Oh, God. Um, to a certain degree. To a certain degree, I I am content with what I do. Um, I don't think what I do is peaceful, right? I'm constantly walking into darkness. That's my job. Um, but I'm at peace with that. You know, I used to obviously hate this and thought it was a curse. And in, a, in some ways, maybe it still is. You know, I don't get rest from it. That's not something I, there's no vacation from it. And a lot of people can't handle it. And so, yes, you know, uh, you get a lot of things like weird love life and whatever because of it. Like, how do you explain to someone you're an exorcist? Ha ha. Like, that's whatever. Although, I guess now I don't have to and you like it or you don't. Um, <laughs> right? Everybody knows now. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, if you're coming after me now, you know what you're getting. Um, but, you know... I will never lead a peaceful life. You know, I'm never going to be a Buddhist monk who sits there and is just like, everything's great. That's just not how I am. I have to go into things that are actually terrifying and actually hard and actually very draining. And actually, there are many nights where I will break down from it and just be like, this is nothing that I want to do. But in the end, I think the thing that keeps me going is knowing that the light at the end of the tunnel for me is every time I, I help someone and I see the difference and like, you know, you can, uh, people who are naysayers can call it a placebo effect all they want. But what I say to them is that placebo effects are not sustainable. There's a sustainable difference between before and after it's, it's sustainable. And one of the stories in the book, the first story in the book is, is a child and I do see children. I see a lot of children. There are many children who are plagued with entity, unfortunately. And there are some people who are conscious enough to understand that and bring their children to me. And it's a very trusting experience, let me tell you, because I don't let anyone in the room with me but that child. So you have to trust a stranger who is an exorcist that you don't know with your child. And it's for the safety of the child and the safety of others, but it's mostly for the child to feel safe enough to speak and tell me why they think they have it and what happened and what they feel bad about. Because in front of a parent or somebody else, there's expectation they might not say. And 
having a child come to you and say, I, I'm having like basically words appear on my body. I'm having movie style situations. I'm having, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't even articulate these things because I'm a child, but you know, they're trying in their way to say these things. Um, and they're damaged and you can see it and then explain to you what the trauma was, you know, well, I left the gate open and my dog got out and my dog was hit by a car and died. And I, I cannot get past this. Like I'm responsible. And they had in child speak, not, not in the way that I'm saying it and taking, you know, our children take on responsibility for a lot of things that are not, they're not responsible for at all adult situations and accidents and things like that. And it's not fair for them to have that. And so, you know, and I get emotional it's not fair. Thank you <laughs> for them to have that. And so that's where I find peace. I always take children first and sometimes the elderly first as well, but always children first because, you know, I get to help them and I may never love someone. I may never have a normal relationship. I may never have normal anything, but I'm at peace with that because I get to do that. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Truly wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in tonight. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> this was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 10. Follow R.H. Davis on Twitter and Instagram at R.H. Davis. Get her book, Sister of Darkness, The Chronicles of a Modern Exorcist, everywhere now. This is Trevor for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side.